I've been asked by those that shaped me and by my own formative years. By whom, by what, and when were you radicalized? I'll tell you right now, it wasn't some left-wing extremist or Hasatan, nor was it CNN or that damn rap music, nor was it the gay agenda or the college you sent me to. It was going to church twice a week and small groups on Fridays. It was volunteering my Saturdays and holidays to help the homeless and less fortunate. It was during my hour-long daily prayer sessions at seminary that I came to know the Jesus you taught me to seek. Eyes to see and ears to hear, right? You prayed that over me since I was a child so much that I thought it meant I love you. But it really meant I'll own you. A different type of slavery than the ones my ancestors would have felt where the chains that are unseen shackle me to your idea of a loving and vengeful God. Where I am only safe from his wrath because you shield me from it. I mean, he shields me from it. I mean, I am in his will, so he loves me. As long as I keep your commandments to love God and do as you say, and love my overseer more than myself, I was promised peace. But these hands of a peacemaker weren't meant to sit idle. They're the hands of a sculptor who must carve peace from war. The hands of a painter mixing the colors of truth and justice to find the beauty in their stains. The hands of an artist steadily drawing lines in the sand to cross without ever looking back. I read the books you gave me. I studied the Bible of your religion, and I've grown to resent the faith you hold like a weapon against those who would stand with you if only truly followed its teachings. I was not changed by some outside source. I was radicalized by the childhood lessons I was never meant to take to heart. I was radicalized by the Good Samaritan. I was radicalized by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I was radicalized by King David's lover, Jonathan. I saw you put your 10% in the offering plate, then berate a server and refuse to tip because they forgot your tea. And let me remind you, that tea is hot. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But now that I'm a man, I put childish ways behind me. I have heard the stories of the brothers you ignored, the sisters you sneered at, and the people you despised. And I envied them. They felt your intentions from a distance. But like sin... I was born into them. You asked how I was radicalized. I went to church. I prayed at the altar of black Jesus, sang hymns from the book of protest songs, read the scriptures of BLM. I was baptized in pepper spray. I sought the wisdom of the fathers we've never known in the hearts of children who have no one at home. This is what the revival you asked for looks like. The prayers you meant to curse me have become the catalyst to my personal revolution and the deconstruction of my upbringing has allowed me to build my house on a solid foundation as to not be the fool whose home is washed away when the rains and floods come. Rather than listening to the sermons of conservatism and nationalism, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I'm Chris. And I'm Tim. And this is a Deconstruction Series. Damn, that was good. Thank you. Dude, so deep. Yeah. That's, Love uh, that. I told you guys I've been working on a poem for Deconstruction. That was it. That was the one I've been holding back on. Jeez. Uh, it's still not done. I presented it to my writing group the other day, actually, and made a couple of changes. I didn't get those sent over to you in time. It's all good, I put a man. few of them in there. I felt uh, it. I heard but, it. Yeah. That's good, bro. 
Well, welcome to the Always More podcast, where we believe there's always more room at the table for honest questions, meaningful conversations, and deeper understanding. Today, we are concluding Ooh. our deconstruction series. This one that's been like 17,000 episodes <laughs> and 1,500 days and six hours of recording. Yeah, four scores, seven years ago, you know. I was I was a young man when I started this. I'm old now, Tim. Oh, man. Um, so, obviously, if you haven't listened to the other six episodes in the series, you probably should. Go yeah. back, listen to those, come back, tell us what you think. Um, as we shared in the episode, one of our greatest influences in deconstruction was just listening to people. Yeah. That's, that's the best way to start. When we listen, we seek to understand, we often disarm ourselves, and we genuinely search for the truth of the matter. Amen, brother. I've been saying that every episode because it is true. Well, with this episode particularly, as we close up and wrap up, it's especially important because we're going to be saying things that reference the other episodes directly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so also, before we move forward, I'm going to apologize. Um, for those who are watching, I especially apologize, but uh, you'll probably hear a difference in my voice today, and that is because... Once again, Tim is sick. I'm not sick. It's just... Freaking allergies, man! Just attacking it's my pathetic face. Pathetic immune system. We gotta get you. We gotta no, get you here's the thing about my immune system: is I never. I mean, I hardly ever get sick. You know what I mean? Like I hardly ever get flu. I hardly. You just can't breathe half the time. I just can't breathe. Maybe that's why you don't get the flu. <laughs> you have to breathe to get the flu. God, God was like, okay, you're not gonna get sick that much, but <laughs> allergy season is gonna hit you like a you know fair trade. Freight train. <laughs> fair trade is what it is. Yeah. So you might hear a sniffle every once in a while and. Uh, me trying to breathe, you know, so I can live. <laughs> it's kind of important. <laughs> All right, so let's dive in. Today, as we close out this series, we're going to do things a little bit differently compared to the rest of the series. Considering that we didn't want to release two-hour episodes, uh, there were some things that we left out or glossed over that we want to bring up today. And also, we want to share some more things that we've seen and heard that have inspired us, moved us, or just simply given us more to think about in regards to our deconstruction journey. Chris, you ready to just dive in and get this thing going? Just the same as every other episode. Let's do it. Let's roll. So our first segment for today is titled Takes and Resources. And we're going to kind of just dive in with some things that we've heard recently and things that were kind of in the back of our mind. It doesn't really have its own spot necessarily. Just things we wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Didn't have a, a real place for them, yeah. Yeah, so stick around. We're definitely going to kind of get into more detail Um regarding each episode, but we wanted to just address some things that have been in the back of our mind and we know are probably things that are out there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this first thing, um, community living. One of the things that quickly didn't make sense to me in my deconstruction journey was I felt like as I was learning more and more, uh, I, I, I caught on that it seemed like everything that the right wanted to do, it, it seemed to want to protect the rich. Yes. Like, it, there was no, like, middle ground. Like, whenever no. things were brought up, it was, like, there was never – I never heard a, well, that's a great idea, but let's try it this way. No, it was always just a straight-up no. Yeah. And it kind of dawned on me a while back, this is the reason why if, if, you, if you're if you on the right, if you're a Christian and you're wondering, why don't the atheists get it? Why don't the left get it? It's because of this. You have a religion where God references the poor and poverty over 2,000 times in his holy text, and yet it seems like his followers don't actually want to help their neighbor. Yeah. Like, they're okay with sending missionaries over, and they're okay with, you know, and this, again, this is, of course, not all churches. We're generalizing. But we, we don't want to provide things like, you know, living wages. 
and universal medicine. Yeah, universal healthcare, and and dare I say, putting on a mask. <laughs> um, like it's so easy to just put on a mask. It has nothing to do with control. It has nothing to do right. with any of that stuff. Like scientifically, you put on a mask, you are less likely to transmit any kind of disease. Like people are wondering why flu and colds have gone down this year. <laughs> It's because people have been wearing masks. <laughs> it's a pretty simple thing. Like, granted, the COVID virus is smaller than the fabric of a mask, yes. But it has to ride on particles to right. get to you. And they are less likely to get to you if they're under a mask. Exactly. Yeah. It, 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 there, there's a video I saw from this guy. He has a podcast, but he also has a TikTok. His name is Tom Powell Jr. And I'm going to summarize it because it's a little long. But he, he's answering a question to a guy. I'm assuming they're talking about taxes. And he talks about how he doesn't want to pay taxes. And this is kind of like the libertarian mindset of, like, we shouldn't be being paying taxes at all, which I used to kind of be for. But then I'm like, if I want to be a Christian, if I want to live in a society, that's kind of part of it. We live in a society. Well, like, even if you don't pay direct taxes, you're still providing for one another. And so in modern society, that's what taxes are. I mean, I guess even 2,000 years ago you had taxes. But my point is, is like, the way he put it, was okay. Let's 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 say, just for example, the fire department. We all may not directly um, be affected by the fire department. We all pay taxes for it, whether you rent or you own a home. Someone's paying property taxes. Yeah, and you're paying for that service. Yes. And so, while it may not always directly affect you, it will help your neighbor whose you know whose house might be on fire. If we didn't have that department our society would suffer because that person would then become, and excuse the lack for a better term, become a drain on our society because they don't have things, you know, they don't have things. They have to pay for things. Right. Um, and so it's the same thing when it comes to healthcare is if that means I'm going to pay pennies on the dollar to help my fellow neighbor pay for their cancer treatment, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm 100% <laughs> okay with my taxes going up a few percentages to be able to support anybody who needs any kind of medication, any right. kind of medical operation. Any of that stuff. That's just – It's just it, – It's Christianity 101. It really is. And that's why last week I shared that scripture from Acts where the church, they literally – they sold their possessions, and it said to directly help those who needed it. Yes. This is it, guys. Look, we can argue about the percentages and how that works, but if, if we just keep saying no to all these things, not only are we going to just you know not get anywhere, but we're going to – it already is. You're already hurting the name of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you want to continue, or you want me to just? Ah, keep going for it. Okay. Uh, another one that uh, I, I thought of that was at the back of my mind this whole series was the conservative language. As as I'm sure you've noticed too, Chris, from both of us coming from the conservative side to the left, or more left, th- there seems to be a, a like type of language. And I think I mentioned this last week or the week before. I don't want to be on the side of, like, the bad side of history. Like, yeah. that's one of my greatest fears, just knowing history and kind of being a, um, a history nerd. And one of the guys uh, I follow on TikTok, his name is Charles McBride, who, again, has his own podcast, I think. He kind of summarizes it like this. I want you guys to hear this if you can. Oh, what's that? So I really don't like to assume people's motives, but sometimes I get this feeling that the same people who want to debate me about things like police brutality or cultural Marxism or critical race theory or any aspect of American history would also have wanted to debate me about things like desegregation 
or the women's right to vote. And I have this suspicion because they often mm. fall back on the same talking points and scare tactics that were used to oppose those progressive measures. So I can understand if you have been led to believe that the left has gone too far on some particular issue. I just want you to acknowledge that that is an excuse that has been used to oppose every progressive measure in the past 150 years. Everything from racial desegregation to the Supreme Court ruling on marriage equality has been accompanied by intense backlash that if this were allowed to happen, it would mean the collapse of civilization. And it's almost always accompanied with, well, of course I love black people, gay people, trans people, immigrants, poor people, but. That, I mean, that but is the killer. <laughs> this, this is what I mean by it, and I'm just going to leave it at that because he's he said it beautifully, is there's a common trend. Mm-hmm. There's a common trend with, and, and again, I, I do recognize there are some things to keep an eye on when it comes to progressive ideas. I, I, I get that. There, there are some sure. things that can't be dangerous. But as he's pointed out, it's we need to be aware that that's this is often the language of those who are on the negative side of history. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I saw a thing. Um, I don't remember where I saw it, but somebody was explaining the difference between the right and the left is they're actually both separating further and further from each other constantly. Oh, yeah. But the right is like sprinting to the right, and the left is like kind of jogging to the left. Yeah. And while both do need to go opposite directions from each other to be able to have any kind of growth in society, they're supposed to be going at the same speed. Yeah. Or like at a distance and steady together. Right. And that's the problem with the left versus the right nowadays is like, the right is so extreme on some things that it seems normal now what they were screaming about 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So in 10 years from now, the stuff that seems extreme to us is just going to be the norm. Right. And that's a scary thought. And and that's, yeah, and, and that, that's for both sides to consider because, again, you, you want to, there's so many things that were demonized 100 years, electricity was demonized 150 years ago. It kills puppies. <laughs> This Electricity kills puppies. <laughs> is what How can it be good? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, Edison used to use AC to kill animals, uh, and was like, "See the evils of AC," because uh, he was pushing DC. Right, right. And oh, well, there you go. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about this next one just very shortly because we kind of already touched on it. But it's COVID. Um, look, the common thing is, is there's a fear. There's a fear of government control. There's a fear that this is going to be the next thing, like this guy said, that's going to bring us to a societal collapse. My that, favorite is when people say it's a communistic plot or it's a, <laughs> a democratic plot. No, nah, bro, it's a virus. It's a virus. <laughs> it, it 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 has it has no political affiliation. There there is nothing it'll. with it. When people say like it's only targeting Republicans, no, <laughs> it, it's targeting unvaccinated and unmasked people. They just happen to be Republican. Yeah, that's. That is what it is. And, and there's one video that particularly caught me in this. I saw this on TikTok, but I saw it on YouTube a while ago. And it, it was just, again, it's it's the same kind of conversations. 30 years ago when seatbelts became, a, you know, law, we had to wear a seatbelt, same kind of conversations were happening. So here's a quick clip that I found online that I would love for you to listen. The new seatbelt ordinance. If the town council gets its way, seatbelts will be mandatory for everybody riding in the front seat of a car through Richland. I'll have to detour the town to get to Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo. That's a seatbelt ordinance. I don't use a seatbelt. I wouldn't wear my seatbelt. I get 
caught, I get caught, I guess. Florida Highway Patrol Lieutenant Chris Miller hears it all when it comes to seatbelts. I hear it's uncomfortable. Um, it wrinkles my clothes. Um, it's not cool. It's not freedom no more. You don't want to wear it? That's your choice. You don't want to wear it? That's your choice. Seatbelts, guys. Same exact argument as masks. See, in this, I'm glad that it kind of started with masks and went up to this point of vaccine mandates, which, again, I can, I kind of get the understanding behind the, the fear behind that. However, it started with masks. Like, even if it was a government ploy to help tighten the grip, it's a piece of fabric over your face. Look, truthfully, if we had just masked and if everybody had done it for, like, two months tops, yeah, this would have been done. Right. Like, it, it would be a non-issue. Yeah. I, I don't mean to, sound, to make this sound trivial or to make it overly simple, simplistic. But as a Christian, it's simple to me. I want to take care of my neighbor. If that means being uncomfortable at worst for a few minutes going grocery shopping, then I'm going to put it on my face. And the fact that people got so bent out of shape just over that tells me that it wouldn't matter it didn't matter it wouldn't matter what it was right it wouldn't matter if it was putting a mask over your face or 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 wearing whatever to symbolize that you have whatever it th- this is it would have it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mattered it could have been the smallest of things it like was it literally <laughs> is the smallest of things it's a single piece of fabric in front of your face yeah Chris, you take this last one. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that's really been getting to me is the I don't care if argument. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, I don't care if someone's gay. I don't care if someone's black. I don't care if someone's a police officer. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. What matters to me is that they're a good person. I understand when you say that, like, you you probably genuinely believe that. Right. You really think that it doesn't matter to you if someone's gay. Yeah. If someone's black or whatever. But in those same sentences, you say things like, well, I don't want them shoving it in my face or shoving it down my throat. Bro, these people are just existing. Yeah. And that usually comes from the position of power. Oh, it always comes from the position of power. Yeah. You will never hear a black person say, you know, I don't care if you're white or if you're black. I just don't want you shoving your whiteness in my face. It's always from the position of power. And these people claim that it doesn't matter and then in those very same breaths point out the fact that it matters yeah yeah like i i got into a debate on facebook which when i debate on facebook it's never for the person i'm debating with right it's always for the people that are reading those posts and they see oh this guy goes to my church and i'm supposed to trust these people but i can't because of whatever post they put up right um, so I always, again, not for those people I'm arguing with, but I got into a debate, uh, actually last night on Facebook where somebody, it. yeah, I'll show you the post <laughs> later. Uh, somebody posted the picture of Superman and his boyfriend, uh, oh, well, since Jonathan Kent is now bisexual in the comics. Um, it's not actually Clark Kent that everybody grew up right. with. It's his son. Yes. It's a very different character who just took on the mantle of Superman because Correct. the original Superman is off world right now. Yeah. And people were like, oh, now they're just trying to make everything inclusive, and they're just trying to make everybody happy, which, first of all, why is that a problem? Yes, like, so what? Uh, But secondly, (laughs) 
Like, these people are mad about homosexuality with zero context. Yeah. Because, one, he's bisexual, not gay. And they're just throwing those terms around, which it matters to the people that it's representing. Two, they took no time to research it and see what was going on. All you have to do is click the link and read, like, the first sentence. And it says, Jonathan Kent. Very different character. Yeah. And... I pointed that out. I was like, look, it's a different guy. Representation matters. These people aren't shoving anything in your face. They're finally allowed to write their own stories without fear of persecution or being killed for being gay. And they're just trying to exist and write stories. You never had a problem with Superman and Lois. Why do you have a problem (laughs) with the new Superman and his boyfriend, whose name I don't remember? Um, But it's one of those things like you very clearly have a problem. Yeah, You can tell me you don't all you want, but you do. And well, it's obvious to the people that it affects. Absolutely. And, and I would argue, too, that what because what, what you just said there about the art, like just clicking the link, th- this is also the problem with the media that we have. And, again, this is not me saying that we should get rid of free media by any stretch of the means. But I, I purposely, especially with COVID stuff, I would see how the the um, the title of the article – would say something, but if you just read it, it's titles are clickbait. They're very yes, misleading. Like ninety percent of the time, it is meant to get your attention. It's meant to get your likes. It's meant to get your outrage. So that way, that person, that media outlet, can profit. Yeah, that's all it is. That, like there was one I remember. Someone sent me. I can't remember what it was exactly about, but I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting. Let me click the link. I looked at it, read it. I'm like, just two sentences in. Like it's it, it's almost the opposite of what the title says. Yeah. <sighs> And then another thing, like when you legislate against someone else's rights, when you're voting anti-BLM, when you're voting anti-LGBTQ, that right there proves that you care, but not in the way that Jesus would. Oh, come on. Come on. That's saying, I see you. I understand you are a person. You are different. And I don't give a damn about you. Yeah, yeah. That's what that says to me. It's like the... And I'm a dad, so obviously I'm going to go here. There's a scene in the movie Trolls World Tour where Queen Poppy is trying to get everybody together. And she's like, oh, we're all the same. We're all just, you know, happy trolls. But there are country trolls. There are rock trolls. (laughs) There are techno trolls. There's funk trolls. And everybody's like, no, we're all different. Differences matter. We can come together, but differences matter. And she just, like, it does not click for her. Oh, yeah. Because she's been living her entire life in the pop bubble, and obviously this is a stand-in for racial differences and yeah. things like that. Um, but she's been living her life in this pop bubble, and she thinks, oh, music is always supposed to make you happy, and it's supposed to be upbeat. But differences matter. Yeah, yeah. They matter. Which I think is a great segue into this last thing before we take a break. Um, we've been hearing a lot of stories from you, the listeners, about how what we have been saying – depending on the topic, has meant to you. And that's kind of the point. Like Chris said earlier about like debating people on Facebook or whatever, it, it's not to convince anyone. It's because it's people like you who might feel like my voice hasn't been heard. There was one person that reached out to me and said they've been sharing a particular episode with people because they wanted to show that, hey, these are there are still some basically good Christians out there. There are basically some Christians who will mm-hmm. stand up for your rights. And that means a lot to us. We, we That's why we're doing this series. It's, it's not to fight you or debate anyone out there because, like I said from the very beginning, it's probably not going to work. 
Um, but so that one, we can stand up for those who are marginalized, but two, to give out resources, to give out hope, to give out um, other perspectives. Yeah. And so and by no means do we have all the answers or all the perspectives. That's the point is that we, we encourage you to go listen to others. That's why I've been working my ass off to, to give you guys resources, if you're interested, to go find more voices uh, about these topics. And so thank you guys for sharing and listening. We really appreciate it. We do. And on that note, I think we should wrap up this first part and then uh, get into our main segment. Let's we'll see you. Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. We are back. Back, 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 back. Dude, I feel so my my nose is killing me. I feel like Rudolph. I look like Rudolph. I've got tissues. I'm drugged up. And it's not helping. It's kind of making me mad. Take more drugs. <laughs> I'm taking the max. Take harder drugs. Well, I don't know if I should do that. I I don't see why not. <laughs> That's what they think we're doing anyway, right? <laughs> Deconstruction and drugs. That's it. All right, guys, today uh, for our main segment, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, we are going to um, go over some things that we wanted to emphasize yet again, but also say a few things that we missed in each episode. Uh, And there's not that many. So you could really say, like, hey, get the sound ready. You could really say that. Oh, I don't have it ready. Get it ready. Get it ready. I I can't from this point. Can I? Oh, yeah, I can. You can. Definitely. Okay. So what, what you're saying is that we're about to go into a segment we like to call what did I miss? Oh, oh no! On, man. Try it again! <laughs> what did I miss? Oh, so close. Should we try that again? No, that was good. That was good. Right. Let's keep it raw, man. All right, we'll keep it raw. <laughs> keep it raw. Let's get raw. Okay, we need to stop. <laughs> All right, guys. You guys, you guys see where we're going with this, though, right? <laughs> where, where the joke could be overtly sexual and we decide not to do it. It's kind of like a different type of comedy. It's like the not joke. So we're going to take this each episode. I'm, I'm just going to move us forward, man. we got to do it today. Um, we're going to go episode by episode, starting from episode one, and just kind of go over a few things that we want to reiterate, to remind, and to bring up that's fresh. Um, so for episode one, our deconstruction, that's where we shared our stories, that shared kind of how we got to where we're at in a broad stroke. Um, so for me, it's, it's a reminder because it, it can – Based on this series and based on what I've been sharing over the past few months, it could feel like it's been an overnight switch. It feels that way. It feels that way. And it kind of, even to me, it kind of feels that way. But I'm reminded, especially when I listen back to old episodes, like, oh, no, I've been thinking these things for a while now, at least. Um, and so this wasn't, you know, because of anything I saw on TV. It wasn't because of a book I read or one particular thing, but rather is because of growing and learning and purposely trying to understand other perspectives. Um, another thing that I didn't sh- really dive into that much was the aspect between Jessica and I. Um, we, we didn't start our deconstruction journey at the same time. Um, and I'm not going to share everything because it's her own story that I love for her to share one day on the pod. But um, there, were, there were a lot of things that, that were kind of uncertain at times between us and, and, and not like in a scare like we're gonna get divorced kind of way but like things i just kept hidden because i didn't want to scare her away or whatever um 
And, and, and I feel like, and this has been a genuine fear of mine, and it could be totally just my brain going into overdrive, but there's been a fear of mine to where people that love her and care for her will feel like I had tainted her, that I was the one that brainwashed her and these things. And, and this is not me defending myself, but I've, I've, first off, that's kind of offensive because she's her own human and she has her right. own mind and she can make up her own mind about things. Um, and so a lot of the things that we have decided upon, and there's things that we differ on, it has been through prayer and has been through learning and growing at our own different rates and our own different um, experiences. And so it's one of the hard things because I know there's a lot of people out there. I've heard stories of people who have gone through deconstruction and their marriages have fallen apart because of it. And that was one of the scary things that I didn't want to happen with us, ob- obviously. Um, and, and I'm just kind of grateful that, one, it hasn't led to that point, but two, that she has gone through her own journey that, again, I'll let her share her own stuff another time, but it, it truly is beautiful and unique and wonderful because it, it's fun to kind of see, because I will say that was kind of the first, but it's kind of fun to see her in her own trek and see where she's gone to. And there's actually even some issues where she's actually gone more extreme than me. I'm like, whoa, hey, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. kind of cool. It's <laughs> always nice, right? Um, and then one last thing for me on episode one. Um, if there's one thing that you were to really like narrow it down to, two lines of thought, as far as what helped shape me and what helped me deconstruct, it was epistemology and fundamentalism. Um, this was kind of the cornerstone of my deconstruction, is how do I know what I've been taught is t- to believe is true, and why do I believe what I believe? And I think that's an important thing for all of us to really consider and dive into, because depending on where you're born, depending on when you were born, you can have very different beliefs uh, just from a person three miles down the road. And so, um, yeah, that's my episode one. How about you, Chris? Yeah, so for me, uh, very much like the John Green quote, it was kind of like you fall asleep slowly at first and then all at once. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so like it, it was something that, you know, just kind of I'd been doing for a long time but didn't have verbiage for it, yeah. didn't have the words, and then all of a sudden, like, everything – compounded at once and I found myself on the opposite side of where I used to be. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of one of those things. Um, luckily for me, Janelle and I kind of started out our major part of deconstruction anyway, pretty close together. Yeah. Um, we were both kind of deconstructing separately before we got married. And then once we were married, we kind of tried to make the church thing work and all of that stuff. And it just, Eventually, we both were just like, look, we, this isn't what we need. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty good there. Um, obviously, going to seminary was a pretty big push for my deconstruction personally. Isn't that funny? Right. <laughs> it, and you'll notice a lot of people, like a lot of the big voices in the deconstruction community, especially on TikTok, either are pastors currently or have been to seminary right. yeah. or – They've been in the church literally their whole lives. Like, it's the people that know the uh-huh. word. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things that really gives me weight behind where I stand. Like, I, I love knowing that fact. Yeah. Like, these are the people that I wanted to be like when I was growing up. The pastors uh, and the, yeah. the Bible, Bible college graduates and all that. And now I am. <laughs> and it just doesn't look how I thought it would. Right. So yeah. I'm always I'm always happy about that. Um, that's kind of my episode one takeaway, I guess. Yeah. That. 
Well, that's kind of. I saw someone too. Uh, he's, uh, excuse me, they uh, name is Kevin Garcia, and they are a pastor. Um, they're they're like a online pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't exactly. I don't remember exactly their credentials, um, but they put a tweet out the other day, like to all the to all the uh, pastors out there who are secretly following me and reading my stuff. I see you, I hear you, and I feel you. And it's like, yeah, that was that was me for that a long you. time. <laughs> it's good to to be more open with your actual relationship with God because yeah. it it is a very personal relationship yeah, yeah. between you and God and you and Jesus, but it's not supposed to be private right it's personal not private yeah yeah like your relationship with jesus should be lived out people should see it yeah it's something that they should be able to take a look at you and that's what they told us in church all the time people should just be able to look at you and know that you're a follower (laughs) of jesus so that's what we're doing yeah there you go that's it all right let's move on to episode two the church and i'm ready for this one because i got i got an update you got an, Oh, you do have an update. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna throw my stuff out there first, and then you go into detail about your stuff. Okay, you go mind. for it. So for me, being behind the scenes at church really allowed me to see what uh, what I did about the church. And in most cases, in my experience anyway, I'm I'm willing to say that most people in churches do care. Yeah, they yeah. want to follow Jesus. Yeah. They want to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. They want to be all of those things that Jesus called them to be. Usually good intention. The problem is they don't want to do it enough to make themselves uncomfortable. Right. So they find workarounds or they find things that make them feel good about what they're doing. They preach these feel-good messages, and every now and then they'll step on a few toes, but not hard, just enough to— point out that oh we're you know we're not just making everybody happy we're not doing that prosperity gospel thing (laughs) but really aren't you isn't it all prosperity gospel if you're doing it the way you are just to keep bodies in the church to keep tithes coming in to make it look like i understand there there are churches in our area that'll do helicopter egg drops (laughs) yeah for random neighborhoods for easter yeah you know what you could do with the money that it costs to get a helicopter and drop some eggs you could feed a lot of people. You could actually go into those neighborhoods and feed the people. Yeah. You could go into those neighborhoods and talk to people, to sit down. You could provide gas. You could provide a whole lot of things. Yeah. Like, it's all performative. And it's not saying that those people don't already do that, but— They they have good intentions. They yeah. do. They, they want to help the communities, and they're like, oh, you know, a, a helicopter egg drop will be cool. It'll bring the kids out. They'll all love it. You know what they would love more than that, though? Just somebody to sit down and talk to them, to listen to their stories, <laughs> to buy them a lunch. Yeah, yeah. Like, I understand what you're saying. It's yeah. just not – what you're doing is the performative pastor thing that Jesus talked about. Yeah. The Pharisees that pray in the streets and they scream their prayers at the top of their lungs so everyone hears them. Like, that's you – yeah. you get the attention. Good job. That's your reward. Right. The people Ooh. that are actually doing the work, like behind the scenes in the prayer closet, not putting everything out there for everyone, which I understand we're doing a podcast. So it's like, you know, <laughs> kind of six one way, half a dozen the other. Uh, but the difference is like we're doing this for the kingdom, not for our own selves. Yeah. And there's a fine line that sometimes people don't realize they've crossed. Yeah. And I think it would be different too. 
number one is understanding the context of our society is that you have a people, you have a, a church, an American church who does, who is known for living in surplus. Oh yeah. And for being extra whatever. And so to me, like looking at you, youth pastors with easies. <laughs> and, and again, it's not saying that dropping eggs from helicopters is a bad thing. It's not sinful to, or whatever to do that. But read the room, read the society, you know, catch on with what you're doing because that alone sends a, a message to those that who yep. don't have a lot. Um, and, and that's really what it comes down to, at least for me, is just looking at like, look, even if you do have good intentions, read the room. Yeah. Is what you're about to do or say going to be received well or not? Are there people in your church right now in membership at your church that need help? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I could I, I just have to read my notes because <laughs> just speed through it and then I'll say my one last piece on this. All right, so call it divine justice or just fantastic coincidence. Um, but after I sh- I've shared my story in that episode, just a few weeks after airing everything, it would come to pass that the top three leadership at Grace were fired. Not let go, not resigned. They were fired. Mm-hmm. Now, to start off my thoughts on the matter, I wanted to address my attitude um, re- regarding these decisions because, look, I'll be honest with you, I, I was conflicted because there's a part of me, and I'll be completely honest with you, that was joyful in these decisions. And I felt guilty for a while for feeling that. And so I really had to look inwardly, look at both just myself as a human, myself as a Christian, and kind of go, okay, are these thoughts, are these feelings bad, whatever. So this might appear, this next part, as me boasting. And again, I'd be lying if I was saying I wasn't happy with these decisions. But I do believe it is okay to celebrate toxic, toxic leadership no longer holding power. I agree. That That's a thing to celebrate. I mourn for those who are hurting within the congregation, and, and, and I do not celebrate broken hearts. However, for six years, you had a staff who were belittled, dehumanized, and lived in fear because of the authoritarianism that existed within the leadership of its church. So, in the same way that the Israelites celebrated no longer being under Egyptian rule, I, too, celebrate with those at Grace who no longer have to work under not just toxic theology, but under poor management. Yeah. That's a happy thing. I won't feel guilty for that. You shouldn't. Now, here's where I'm going to continue on. How can we, church, whatever, expect to be a city and a light on a hill if we as a church won't shed a light on the darkness that arises, even within its own walls? Come on. When we don't reveal these things, they will fester somewhere else. Preach. I'm saying this slowly because I wanted to come across clearly. We have to not just fire someone, but we have to reveal why. Because one, it's going to lead to more confusion, but two, it's going to fester somewhere else. Spill that, the tea. That is why. So many people are leaving the church because people will get fired but then get hired somewhere else right down the road, and it's as if their sins are completely gone. Yeah. That's why the church is in the state of sin. 
we excuse wrong actions in the name of grace. Now, listen, I, I do believe there's room for grace. I do believe there's room for forgiveness, forgiveness and repentance and all those things. But it has to be done in a, in a certain way. There has to be repentance. There has to be, and by the way, repentance is a changing of actions. It literally means to change your direction. That's another thing that they pounded into us in church growing up. Yeah. You have to actually make a change. You can't just say, I'm sorry, and that be repentance. No, you got to make a change. Yeah. So this is just me, Tim Lichty. I'm I'm personally kind of upset right now. I'm, I'm happy with the decision, but I feel like the leadership isn't addressing the whys. And as I've witnessed on social media over the past few weeks, sure enough, there were many people that came to the defense of the leadership who are now gone because they haven't seen the whys. Yeah, they weren't privy to the poor management or the dehumanization. They got the shining example of what that leadership wanted them to see. Right, and and I get it. I I don't want to shame anyone necessarily, but it's important to reveal these things because, one— it needs to be in the, the darkness needs to be lit up, and two, I don't want to see that brought to another place. So, since I no longer have any affiliation with Grace, and it, and I didn't, and I was one of those who did not have to sign a non-disclosure agreement, here's some, here's some of the darkness I saw. Probably the easiest thing to see on the outside was the turnover rate. Just this is just the poor management side of things. Within the six years of leadership, you had 15 plus non-pastorly staff leave. Four non-executive pastors, including myself, and seven executives, and they left. Now, there was only a handful that were left on good terms, um, or likely they were PCS'd, or they were, or in my opinion, were uh, let go for the right reasons. But even if you were to excuse those handful of people, you had seven executives who left during this reign, two of which were hired by that same leader. That's problematic. The flags are there. They're minimum problematic. So as I mentioned in the church episode, this person, they only cared about his name and his money. That's really what it came down to. I'm just going to skip over because that's, that's what it boiled down to. He tried to create a mega church culture where he didn't even have to communicate to those uh, who were below the executive level. Though I did hear from those who were in the executive level that, they didn't, that he didn't even talk to them. Right. He was homophobic. Yep. Any art that would be too colorful, he, he would ban. Our beginner's course mentioned twice how LGBTQ couldn't serve, as if it was worse sin than all the other sins. That's how they really feel. Not not just that person, but like a, oh, lot, yeah. of, a lot of conservative Christians, white evangelicals feel that way. Yeah, And he would pull aside staff members who weren't tithing or tithing enough to force them to take a course to help correct their behavior. Th- this is just... That last one is is up in the air for me, like... If you agree to work at a church and that is one of your church's staples, then obviously that's what you agreed to. But uh, it, again, tithing is something between you and God, not between you and the pastor of a church. Well, not so, only that, but usually it was done without context of like, okay, well, why aren't they giving? What, what is going on? It's kind of like the whole government. Thing. It's like, well, why can't people buy things or buy food or yeah. eat? <laughs> You're not paying your taxes. I don't have money. <laughs> Well, we can't give you money until you pay our taxes. I don't have money. <laughs> so again, this is not to allow my feelings to finally get a moment to bash or hate. It's to bring a very real reason as to why so many Christians, especially within millennials and Gen Z, are leaving the church and the faith. They're very; uh, These are the very actions being demonstrated all across our nation and 
usually at best being swept under the rug or excused. My Christian friends, I don't say this lightly. If the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, or Paul's expectations for elders and pastors found in 1 Timothy and Titus mean anything to you, people like this should not be pastoring churches. At all. That's it. That's it. Boom. <laughs> um, one more thing I do want to point out on the church episode that I didn't get to say. Um, I actually misspoke when we did that episode. Uh, not intentionally but i said that my college experience was kind of cultish i found the correct term for it it's high control groups Ooh, they're not actually cults but they meet like a bare minimum of 25 of the cult signs uh, and they're very cult like close but there are things in them that definitely separate them from cults like at any point in time i can leave yeah yeah um the rules aren't like physically punished or anything like that nine times out of ten they're not anyway <laughs> um different things like that but high control groups and if you compare the christian church the evangelical church to these high control groups whether you're in the seminary that i went to or not they share a lot of those same qualities yeah and they're typically, again, started by well-intentioned people, typically. Um, like the guy that runs Master's Commission, uh, Pastor Z, I love him to death. Heart and soul of Master's Commission was to grow the kingdom of God. Yeah. But a lot of times things get out of hand and things fall by the wayside and it just becomes easier and better to become a high control group right. rather than what you initially started it out to be. Yeah. So that's one of those things that we need to watch out for yeah. moving forward in the Christian church. Yeah. Is your church a high control group? And again, I, I, I know I'm just, you know, speaking to the choir here and probably just speaking too much, but the reason why I want to share these things again for the second time, not to bash the person, because I'm sure they're going through a hard time right now, and in a way, I do, I do, you know, I feel sorry for them. But knowing that personality, I know there's probably not a lot of repentance going on, right? And and that's what's infuriating to me is if there were if there was repentance, if there was genuine want and desire to do better, I would be on board for, for that. Yeah. I, I I would I, I might still disagree with you on a lot of things. But I could at least get behind that. Right. And I know there's not. And so that's important to me. And I'm not sharing it publicly like on my, you know, I almost said MySpace on uh, Instagram wow, or, uh, <laughs> or Twitter or whatever because I felt like that might be a little too, um, what's the word, childish? On the sure. nose. On the nose. But in this context, in this space, I, I felt it was important because darkness should be brought up. It should be addressed. For it, sure. If, if the Christian church wants to be relevant again, this is where it's got to start. And the church is the biggest reason for deconstruction. Yeah. The church itself. Hands down. So. Yep. All right, let's move on. We spent a lot of time on that one. Uh, next up, episode three, the Bible. Since I went last, you want to go ahead or? Um, mine will tie into the next one, so let's let you go okay. this time as well. So uh, Jared Bias, uh, he's one of the authors of the books, uh, Love Matters, or uh, – what is it? I forgot what it's called. Love Matters More. Yeah, yeah. Um, he said, when we understand where we've come from and where we are, we can approach the Bible in a healthier way. 
Mm-hmm. That's why we did that episode in particular, because a lot of my deconstruction came from a harsh, abrupt learning of that the Bible was not all that it was preached and claimed to be. Yeah. It was not directly from the hand of God. It was not inerrant. It was right. not meant to be what it is. Yeah, and, and we could argue the semantics over that and argue about what it actually still means if it's inerrant or not or whatever, but just the origins of it alone kind of shocked me when I first started mm-hmm. learning that stuff. And it's important to at least know those things. Um, so there's a uh, uh, <laughs> uh, there's a there's a common thing that we've heard. Did we mention this in the episode? And am, am I just like? Not remembering this, but we talked about itching ears. A little bit. We referenced it. There, there's, there's, a, there's a common underst- – or not understanding, but assumption that if we're fighting against the Bible, that we're just listening to false doctrine or false whatever. Guys, that's this stuff has been going on for centuries. Martin Luther was doing that if you want to uh, really get 95 theses. Not Martin Luther King. Like yeah, even yeah. further back, Martin Luther with his 95 theses nailed to the church door. Yeah. So – my point in bringing this up is that th- this is not us trying to, again, bash the Bible because the Bible is not trying to defend itself. It's not trying to do that. It's not its own person. It's not trying to do those things. It's We're trying to understand theology better. Mm-hmm. Um, so understanding the origins of the Bible is vital to understanding how to obtain and use our faith. If your origins of the Bible are rooted in a literal God of man or to paper theology, then nothing outside of that will ever be divine enough for you. True. You know, there was a book I read recently, and I want to mention a few more of his quotes in a, later. Um, Richard Rohr, who I ironically kind of disagree with a lot on some theology, but in his book I gain a lot of insight. He he compares how if we are all God's creation, and if the mountains breathe His name, if if we are all like the Scripture, like the Word God breathed, then we are all in a way uh, holy. We are all worthy of viewing ourselves higher than just mere creation. Um, and and we, we can, and the importance is, is that we can find Jesus in all people. We can see, like his parable to those of not helping the poor, we can see Jesus within our poor and within our marginalized, and we can find holiness within those who call society, or who society calls sinners. Right. Um, and so we, we often use the Bible as this weapon to put up a us versus them mentality. And that's why we really want to share that episode is because we wanted to kind of tear that down because the Bible never was made or sent down or whatever you want to call it to do that. Yeah. And, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say, like, a lot of the reason that people are able to do things like that are because of those uh, mistranslations and intentional misinterpretations. Yeah, yeah. Um, things like, there's a... A part in scripture where people claim it's Jesus being prophesied back in Psalms. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where David talks about they put hands in my hole or they put holes in my hands and my feet. Um, they nail me to the cross. They pierce my side and water comes out, which granted all of that stuff happened to Jesus. Yes. But it was an intentional mistranslation. Like it started out as an accident, but when they discovered it, they kept it in there because it fit the narrative better. Hmm. Instead of saying they put holes in my hands and my feet, what the scripture actually says is they are at my hands and my feet like lions. Uh. 
it's the way that it was written in the Hebrew. Somebody had like bad handwriting <laughs> and somebody couldn't see because it was all done by candlelight. One of those fragments. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of things were unintentionally done, but when they found it, they just left it there because it fits the narrative better of prophesying Jesus as the Messiah in the yeah. future. So to the people who actually can read the original Hebrew, they're just like, yo, this this isn't. That's not at all what it was talking about. Crucifixion wasn't even a thing <laughs> when David was king. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a prophecy. It was misinterpreted uh, on actually, purpose. I actually listened to a really good episode of uh, the Bible for Normal People talking about the book of Isaiah and how there's actually really good evidence that they weren't talking about some future person, but they're actually talking about a real person that existed right then and there. At that time. Um, anyways, yeah, that's yeah. good. That's a good point. Um, and then another misinterpretation that – always always gets to me is our Sinekotai and Malakoi, uh, which oh yeah yeah those are the the Greek and Hebrew words for what nowadays is translated as homosexual, uh, but they were actually intended for abusers, not just loving committed homosexual relationships yeah or really any kind of homosexual relationship that was consensual. It was specifically abusers and people that would abuse young boys, right. which was a power thing, not a sexuality thing. Exactly. All kinds of issues with that, yeah. um, which leads us into our next topic, the episode four on LGBTQIA plus and purity culture. Yeah. So again, we're not experts. Nope. Um, there are experts out there with way more experience and knowledge on the topic than we have. Please follow them hear their experiences, listen to their stories, yeah. listen to what they have to say on the topic. Um, I know there's a guy on TikTok, uh, Brandon Robertson, I believe he's a pastor. He's an oh, LGBTQ yeah, yeah. pastor. Like he himself is gay. And then on top of that, like he studies this stuff. Is that the guy with the beard? No, no. He's a younger, uh, I think he's clean shaven looking guy, oh, white okay. guy, short hair. He was on, I, I think he was in time or people he was on a magazine mm. recently because of all the work he's been doing and it's not just like on social media like he's actually out there doing work to make these people feel loved and accepted yeah, yeah. um so i follow him and i get a lot of his stories and stuff from tiktok um but definitely learning from the people who again this title represents learning from the people that this experience affects yeah that's going to be your biggest part of growth there i can't stress that enough yeah, absolutely yeah um like i mentioned earlier though the the difference between real christianity when it comes to this topic and white evangelicalism there's no other word for it <laughs> is the i don't care if You're right versus i hear your stories how can i help you exactly it's that equality versus equity and i got a link i'll put it in the show notes later um but there's a great illustration that shows the difference between inequality equality equity and justice so the inequality shows a person standing under a tree on one side and a person standing under a tree on oh, the other yeah. the tree is leaning towards one person and it's dropping a fruit the other person just has their hands out that's inequality equality is um, both people with their hands out and there's a ladder next to them on the ground and apple still only drops on one side because the tree is leaning. Yeah. Um, equity is both people on the ladder up in the tree reaching for the fruit. And obviously one has more fruit because the tree is leaning towards them. The other one still has access to fruit. It's just not as much. Right. And then justice is somebody had propped up 
the tree so that it's standing straight up. And now there's fruit on both uh, sides, and they have the ladders of different lengths to be able to get to the fruit that they need to get. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's one of those things that people don't realize, like, oh, well, you know, we're we're just saying, like, it doesn't matter who's gay, who's bi. We're all just people. Why can't we just be people? You're actively legislating against those people, Exactly, though. yeah. And you're telling them to shut up when you're allowed to put your story out there. Yeah, yeah. Like, I saw one recently of a, a teacher that is, he happens to be gay. And they had, like, a family unit uh, that they were talking about. And this woman comes in, and she's also a teacher. She's like, oh, me and my husband are going to start trying for a baby, and we're going to hopefully have a baby within the next few months, and it's going to be great. And he just brought in a picture of him and his husband. And they called him to the office, and they're like, uh-huh. you don't think that's inappropriate? He's like, dude, this lady just told a bunch of kids that her and her husband are having unprotected sex all the time. <laughs> I just showed a picture of me and my husband yeah, because I'm married. I'm allowed to be. Yeah. And, like, people don't realize that's the difference. It's equity versus equality. Yeah. Uh, I just want to share a common – just some common rebuttals and thoughts that I didn't mention in the other episode. Um, one is – Quote, it's not natural, which – It absolutely is. Uh, well, again, that's like that's from the old – or the, the scripture. But, again, that's just why we have a modern, modern understanding of things. Just because something is natural doesn't make it a good thing and vice versa for unnatural things. Air conditioning isn't natural. Cancer is natural. Death is natural. Cancer meds are unnatural. Vaccines – are unnatural. Yeah. Guys. Synthetic clothes are unnatural. <laughs> Most of the foods that you eat are unnatural. Hey, here's one. Guns are unnatural. Come on. Come on. Preach it, brother. Stupid argument. Moving on. If it ain't safe, or excuse me, if it ain't for sale, don't advertise it. So this that, purity culture stuff. That goes back to the purity <sighs> culture, and that's another thing, like, again, didn't affect us as much as it did women, the women yeah. in our lives. Um, but it's absolutely something that is just detrimental to society as a whole yeah yeah and obviously like people should be allowed to wear whatever they want yes and that's biblical people came to jesus and they were like hey (laughs) what do i do about this super hot woman that's show showing her goods off everywhere and jesus was just like i don't know pluck your eyes out about it yeah like i I don't care yeah if your eyes cause you to lust that's a you problem exactly not a her problem yep one thousand percent Purity culture is so dumb. So dumb. <sighs> so dumb. All right, let's move on. Episode five, race and decolonization. Um, that's just quickly because I, I purposely did bullet points on this, Chris. Yeah. You'd be proud of me. If, I knew you'd be proud. I, no, I see that. Yeah. Critical race theory. Guys, hardly anyone, left or right, actually knows that much about it. But I can tell you this. It is not what you probably heard on whatever news outlet it nope. is. Nope. It is not that. Critical race theory 100% is just, hey, guys, let's put the cards on the table. <laughs> this is what happened. Yeah. This is who it affected. This is how it affected them. There is no shame in that. There is no – look. We're not saying because you're white you need to be ashamed and you need to hate who you are. Right. We're saying, hey, white people did this in the past, Yeah. which is fact. You yeah. guys agree about that. And it still benefits white people over black people. That's yeah. where people get upset. They're like, oh, well, you're just saying, you know – White people are the worst. No. We're saying white people are benefited by an old, outdated system yes. that made slaves out of human beings yeah. 
and still to this day affects those same types of people. Yeah. That's it. Simple as that. It's it's, it's not it's cards on the table. It's this is who it is, who who it affects and how it affects them. Yeah. That's it. That's all CRT is. And if you disagree with CRT, you're dumb. <laughs> I don't care. Come at me in the comments. You're dumb. <laughs> it it just guys, there's a book. Go read it. Go listen to the people who wrote the stuff. And if you don't, won't, if don't. you won't listen to the black people that wrote it, there's books by white people too. <laughs> Read those. Robin D'Angelo is a great one. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Um, you take this. Uh, justification of police violence and willingness to believe the worst about POC. That's that's one of those things that just it's so important to me to emphasize. Yeah. When you're hearing stories about like Philando Castile, oh, who yeah. had a gun, and people say, "Oh, he should have just you know cooperated with the cop," he did. Again, yeah. I watched that video hundreds of times. He did everything right, right. and was still murdered. Brian Saylor was murdered in her own home. Yeah, asleep. She in was her bed. asleep. Like, that's what's insane to me. Um, people like George Floyd, who, granted, were not saints. No, but that's not a— <sighs> it, it doesn't matter, though, because no human being should be knelt on for— for longer than any amount of time. Right. Like you, that was a human life. And then the thing that bothers me, all of that stuff aside, is how quick people were to justify it. Like, yeah, oh well exactly. You're gonna make it you're gonna make a saint out of a guy who assaulted a pregnant woman? No. We're not making a saint out of him. We're saying he was a human life that was devalued yeah. because of the color of his skin. And then it was posthumously made okay. Because of his past. Right. Not one person that ran to the defense of the police knew about his past before exactly. yeah. the news outlets brought it up, before yeah. the police brought it up. And it didn't matter in that moment because he was a black man crying for his mom, saying that he couldn't breathe. Yeah. And nobody gave a single flying fuck. Yeah. Again, very passionate topic for me. Um, a lot of times Christians like to ignore people's lived experience because they don't experience it themselves. But that's willfully ignorant and downright sinful. Yeah. When people brought the woman to Jesus and they said, hey, she's an adulterer, we're going to stone her. Jesus said, hey, whoever's without sin at all, cast the first stone. Yeah. Some people believe that Jesus knew and called them all out on being adulterous with this very same woman. I like to picture that because I just love the idea that Jesus knows everyone's tea <laughs> and was just like, hey, I saw you there last Tuesday, <laughs> and now you're going to stone her? Yeah, yeah. So that's one of my things on that. People were just like, oh, you know, this, this, and this, but that, like, that's their thing. Like They also are doing these same things. Yeah. Like, they're breaking laws, but it's okay that they killed this person because they're black versus this person who was taken in peacefully. And that's just, oh, you know, there's good cops and bad cops in every bunch. You can't have bad apples sometimes. Yeah. Well, like, no, no, not there's there's one guy I follow on TikTok. Uh, I think it was that guy I mentioned earlier, um, uh, Powell. And he talks about how this is a profession that can't allow that. Uh -huh. Like, you can't have 
a few bad apples. You got to have a right temperament. You got to have right training. And if you don't, you don't belong in that profession. Yeah. It's simple as that. In this job where you have a gun to your side, you got to be on, you got to be the best of the best. The way I put it for like my experiences, I've run into a few of the bad apples, quote unquote, if you're not watching the YouTube video. Um, and people have told me that like, no, it's just a couple of bad apples. Look, it's my lived experience, and I'm telling you what happened multiple right. times to me. And you're just brushing it off because you don't want to accept the truth that it's something that you will never have to worry about. Yeah. But when it comes to the bad apple argument, like, some jobs just can't have that. Like, if, if there's a doctor that cures cancer patients 100% of the time, then there's a doctor that cures cancer patients 50% of the time. That's cool. If there's a doctor that's intentionally killing cancer <laughs> patients 10% of the time, yeah, like, that's not cool. Yeah. You can't have doctors killing people. You can't have, like, 90% of our pilots love to land on the airstrip. <laughs> 10% of them like to crash into mountains. <laughs> Some jobs cannot have bad apples. Yeah. That's, sorry. Uh, no, you're right. This, yeah. this episode might be a little bit long, and I make no apologies for that. <laughs> uh, but it basically boils down to my daughter's favorite Bible verse. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and oppressed. That's good. Yeah. These are the people that we need to be listening to. This whole topic should be listening. Yeah. If you are not one to be able to experience the degradation of people of color, you need to be listening to those people of color. Yeah. yeah and absolutely. seeing how you can help. Because if you're not helping, you're making it worse. Right. And side note, white privilege is a thing. If you don't agree, you're being intentionally ignorant. White privilege doesn't mean that your life is easier because you're white. It just means that being white is not one, or being the race you are is not one of the things that makes your life harder. Right. That's all it is. We're not saying that your life is better just because you're white or you are given some kind of white privilege card. <sighs> Preach. Let's move on. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Let's move on. Episode six, this last episode that we did, nationaliz nationalism, dude, okay, so sign up for you guys. In my final uh, speech, or the like, final words last week in the last week's episode, I could not say nationalism. Yeah, we had to take, we had to do like <laughs> six takes on that. I don't know what was wrong with me in that one moment, but I could not get through Truthfully, it. Truthfully, I was worried about this episode when I saw you wrote that <laughs> word in there. I was like, ah, oh. I'm just kidding. Uh, Scott Sauls said this. If it is easier for people to guess my politics than it is for them to guess my religion, then politics has become my religion. <laughs> Guys. Speak on it. And this goes for both ways. I'll, I'll, I'll admit, it goes both ways. But if you look, if you study and look at how Christians have voted within the past 1,500 years, you will see how they all didn't just vote for one political party at first, but it would evolve and as those desperate for power intertwined with religion, it would become more and more about politics and power. And so, guys, I I said it last week, but I will say it again. Go read Jesus and John Wayne. For you as a Christian and a member of a church, go read that book. If anything, it will just give you a little bit more insight as to why white evangelical Christians vote the way they do. It would at least give you that. It is... We, we have to, like like what uh, Bias uh, said about the Bible, we have to understand how we got here. That, that's why CRT is important. Yeah. We have to understand at least our history and how we got to this point because that helps us direct our future. 
So when it comes to nationalism, oh, dang it, did again, nationalism, <laughs> um, we have to at least understand how we got here. And it kind of like even with your when you were talking about uh, CRT, it brought me back to like like our 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 history's our nation's history is not clean. Nope. And we shouldn't shy away from that. Nope. We should not dismiss. We should not hide the fact that our government in the 1940s put people of Asian descent into camps. That was horrible and yep. wrong. That doesn't mean we should be full of shame because of that. We personally didn't do that, but we should acknowledge it and be aware of it and do things to make sure we don't end up doing something like that again. Yeah. That's history. And that's not even something I learned in school. That's something I learned reading books on my own. Right. It's just reading. It's just learning. It's just gaining information. It doesn't have to be the super political pundit you know, driving thing that you know makes you vote a certain way. If anything, it should just help you – guide where you want to be at as a nation and as a society that's kind of the point though is the people that are trying to ban that know that if people are educated on the reality of history they're not going to go the direction that those people want them to go yeah yeah they're going to be more liberal they're going to be more left-leaning they're going to be more social because they don't want to repeat those mistakes yeah and the easiest way to keep them in the cycle that they're in is to avoid letting them know how those mistakes were made. Exactly. Yep. So that's why they do it. Chris, finish this thing up, man. I wrote in here that the people that claim to vote for Trump because he was a Christian leader ignore the antichrist-like actions. Come on. They will know you by your fruit. His fruit is ripping people off. Yes. Is trying to get people killed, throwing people in jail Dehumanizing for people upsetting him, joking about things that shouldn't be joked about, rape. Yeah. I'm going to say it, rape. Yeah. All of that stuff. And people are just like, nope, he's a Republican, so he's God's chosen yeah. person. Like, you don't realize how far from Jesus these politicians can be. Yeah. Not just Trump. Right. You yeah. don't you don't realize how far these politicians can be. And again, this is not just an attack on the right because we also know that Biden sucks. <laughs> Did I vote for Biden? Yes. Do I have a flag in my home that says Biden 2024? No. <laughs> Am I going to vote for Biden in 2024? God, I hope not. <laughs> I really hope we have better candidates. Yeah. But the difference is we don't worship Biden on the left, and I, I consider myself a leftist. Uh, we don't worship Biden on the left yeah. because we're not in a cult. Yeah. Um, we just, <laughs> in this situation, had to pick the lesser of two evils, which is still an evil. It still right. sucks. Yeah, yeah. We're pissed at Biden, too. And a lot of people just, I love that dumbfounded look when people are like, when I say something about Trump and they're like, well, you know, Biden did this. Okay. Get him out of power too. <laughs> what, 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 Tear it all what, down. What? Yeah. Burn the whole thing to the ground. I don't care. Yeah. I don't like any of them. <laughs> Except AOC. I like AOC. Uh, usually. It's a little problematic sometimes. But the point is, these are human beings. They're not supposed to be gods. Right. And when you make nationalism your god, uh, yeah. it is very obvious to Everyone but you. Yeah. And yeah. then you will die defending something that 
doesn't even really exist. The yeah. America that you think you know doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. That's all I got to say about that. Well, I think that's all we got to say about all of that. I think we went through that main segment faster than I thought. We did. We did. I'm impressed. So we're leveling it out. Yeah. Guys, we're not done. We actually have some listener interactions and uh, some things to bring things into a positive ending. Because we didn't want to end this thing on a depressive note. <laughs> I kind of did, but Tim, Tim talked me out of it. Uh, so, guys, uh, don't go. We'll be right back with some more positive things. Positive. Encouraging. <laughs> don't say it. I won't. Thank you for sticking with us for so long. I know these episodes are intense. They can make you feel a lot of things. They can make you think a lot of things. Yeah. They can just make you mad at us. That's fine, too. Um, if you're only here for the hatred, leave it. I love it. I thrive on it. <laughs> your your anguish sustains me. Um, but for everyone else who's here for positive interaction, thank you guys so much for sticking around. We yeah. really appreciate it, and we love all of you. Well, it's also just a, a thing that we want to – and this is a reason why we actually started this last segment. There's always more than this because we wanted to – that's the whole point of the podcast too. Is it's, it's a symbolism that there's more – there's hopefully more hope yeah, in the we, horizon. Yeah, we didn't just want to bash the church, drop the mic, and walk out. Right, you know? right. So we want to make sure that you guys understand, like the title of our podcast, there's always more than this. Exactly. Let's move on. What do we have? Um, let's step into uh, – let's step into some listener interaction. Let's, let's do let's it. Do uh, so we got one from Aaron, who is our pastor friend, who was... Our beloved friend. Who was on our podcast um, pretty close to the beginning. Yeah, episode five, I think, or seven, somewhere around there. Of the original podcast, not the Deconstruction series. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Aaron sent us a question, says, is there anything in your journey that y'all have disagreed with each other on? Uh, We didn't talk about this, so this is kind of... Yeah, Um, I think initially LGBTQ... Initially, I I was definitely way more accepting in the beginning than I think you were. Yeah, that I think that just boils down to me starting my deconstruction journey sooner. Right, you hadn't quite gotten there yet. I think I, I think, think now we're on the same page. Well, yeah, I think I carry a little bit less weight on the Bible than you do. I could be wrong about that, but I, from what I've been reading and what I've been studying with it, I just it's not my guiding light. It's not yeah, the cornerstone I, for my faith. I think I, for. As much crap as I give it, I think I still cling to Bible verses and uh, stories from the Bible a little, I mean, I a little tighter than you do. Yeah, I, I mean, I I still find great value in it, and I, I could argue, I can make the argument that God wants us to have the Bible, um, but because of its modern usage, I, I I think it's kind of it's not dumb, but unfortunately, where it's at right now, it, it's it's hard to for me to use it if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I still love the Jesus in there, and I, and I still love a lot of the stories and the wisdom that you can get from it. But um, at least the modern understanding of it today, I, I I still have a hard time grappling with. And so, which is fair. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, we're we're pretty close. Yeah, I think so. Um, so now I can't think of anything um, biblically, church wise. Yeah, ah. we're pretty we're pretty close. Um, okay, so another question. Uh, our friend EJ, uh, who's actually really cool, and uh, he he uh, I remember when he was going to the military, 
I hope I'm allowed to say this. I wouldn't. Yeah, okay, I'll skip it then. Yeah, <laughs> He's really cool, and he he does some really good stuff. Um, Just to not get him in trouble. Yeah, and he's a good friend of ours, and he has a question is, you guys touched on American nation- nationalism and American allies, but I was curious, uh, what are your guys' thoughts about rival Christian nations to the United States, especially one in particular, Russia? Ooh. Which is a fantastic question, and um, Chris, if you don't mind, I have a quick response to that. Go for it. Um, essentially... I view where Russia is at um, as what the American church could have been or what America could have been if it were not for the separation of church and state. I will agree with that mostly. Now, Russia, for those of you guys that don't know, their major religion is Orthodox Christianity. Yeah, very. uh, Which in most cases is a little more right-leaning. It's a little more conservative, a lot more conservative. Um, Now, the point of Orthodox, from my understanding, is what ev- evangelicalism says. It's supposed to be a personal relationship with you and God. Yeah. But just like any other megalomaniac leader or whatever have you, uh-huh. when the government gets involved, it becomes a power thing rather than exactly. actually a religion. Yeah. Yeah, I'm by no means blaming the Orthodoxy Church for its problems. Um if I'm not mistaken, a year or two ago, Putin, 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 uh, he uh, he disallowed Hillsong Church, like one of their branches in Russia, from advertising for Easter. Guys, Hillsong, they are not a liberal church, or at least not to most. <laughs> but th- that's my point. Is like that's how extreme and and dare I say conservative they have gotten in some in some ways. And so. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a good question, and and I think I answered EJ too with a short response of there. There's also even if that was their agenda to, if there was an agenda to make us more liberal or whatever, to make us less Christian, that doesn't necessarily mean we would just collapse. There's nations in Europe that have very little religiosity and yet thrive and still do really great things. A um, lot of the nations that people hold up as shining examples because they're white, <laughs> uh, like Sweden, Norway, Switzerland. Yeah. All of those countries, a lot of them are uh, very not religious. Exactly. I'll just say that. Yeah. Um, now, to answer EJ's question, in my point of view, I don't think a lot of it is intentional, like, country versus country. Yeah. I think it's rich people knowing how to wield Christianity as a weapon. Yeah, and good point. A lot of the problems aren't necessarily on purpose, but they are natural consequences to the decisions that those people have made. Yeah. And the people that are in charge of the religious government branches have made. Yeah, and guys, this goes both ways. The United States, even though it's labeled as a Christian nation, guys, it's done some pretty shitty things in the past for it being a Christian nation. Recently, too. Recently, too. (laughs) So being more or less religious doesn't really have, I mean, it does, because you can definitely wield it and weaponize it, but it doesn't prevent bad things from happening. No, it's just the weapon you decide to use. Yeah. That's it. Um, So yeah, great question, EJ. Thank you for that. All right, so we wanted to move on to another segment, um, and this will be our last one. No, our second to last one, and we just wanted to provide some positive, thoughtful um, ideas on how we think we can grow, uh, all of us. Yeah, so speaking positively and thoughtfully, the Christian church needs to be more like the Satanist <laughs> church. I said it. I'll say it again. Please explain. The Christian church needs to become more like the Satanist church. Yeah. In that— 
the Satanist church isn't actually about worshiping Satan. They have chosen Satan as their symbol, um, but it is mostly just a dig at Christianity. Right. Because Christianity yeah. claims to do all of these things for poverty and for human rights and for individual choices and all of that stuff. But then they legislate, you know, these anti-abortion laws that only affect women from the lower lower class up to, like, the upper middle, maybe. You're right. Um, basically, anything that is a crime with a fine is only a crime for the poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the Satanist church allows people to join their church and then gives them religious exemption to stupid laws like that. Yeah, right. Um, basically, the Satanist church isn't worshiping Satan. They're a humanitarian group. It's a lot of satire. That does a lot of the things that Christians should be doing. They just oh. do it sarcastically. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> Truthfully, I get a kick out of it. I yeah, love yeah. I love seeing it. <laughs> like people are uh, really upset about a statue of Satan that was put somewhere near a government building. First of all, it was Baphomet. It wasn't Satan. Yeah. Uh, secondly, it was a joke. It was. It's it's it's, it was, it's, it's, it's satire. <laughs> yes, it was done because people are supposed to have separation of church and state, and yet. Yes. They're angels and the Ten Commandments You're and all of this stuff out of there. <laughs> They're just proving the point. Like, yo, if we're supposed to be a truly free society, if we're supposed to be, you know, if we have religious freedom like the First Amendment guarantees right. us, then we should be able to do this too. <laughs> and that's absolutely right. Yeah. On paper, it's absolutely right. Yeah. Whether you like their message or not is irrelevant. <laughs> but we need to be more like them in the fact that they are humanitarian. They are doing things to better the lives of people. Yeah. With or without Satan as their God, doesn't matter. <laughs> They're helping people, yeah. and that's what the Christian church needs to do. Amen. Um, some things that the church needs to be doing, focusing more on those who are marginalized and those in need. Uh, I mentioned last week uh, a group um, to my right. There's a book by Jeremy Courtney called Love Anyway. I would highly recommend reading that and listening to what they do overseas, uh, helping people despite their uh, religion, despite their yeah. race, whatever. Um, and we need to um, – oh, you you wrote this, but I'm going to say it because it's good. I'm going to steal it from you. Go for it. We need to stop with the smoke machines and start feeding people. Oof. <laughs> Oof. It's good stuff, Chris. So, yeah, I work uh, with an organization called PFI. It's a Prison Fellowship International. My wife and I donate to them all the time. We've done a couple of videos for them. Uh, we, When we left the church, that's where our tithe was going. Yeah. Um, basically what they do is they take donations and money and it's like one of those things where for $30 a month, you can feed a child basically. Uh, it's 35 actually. Um, but what we do, what, sorry, what they do, because I'm not part of that team. Um, but what they do is they take that money and they use it to buy goats or chickens or whatever they can sustainable. And they teach those families that they're helping to make money, to have a job, to have a trade. Yeah. Um, they send workers that live there, not just like missionaries every now and then with a bag of rice, but like people right. in the communities to go check on these children that their parents are in prison for whatever reason. Right. Because we all know third world country people are marginalized. People in prisons are marginalized. Yeah. So people in third world country prisons, those are the most marginalized of all. Yeah. So they send these people to check on their families to make sure that they're okay. They – uh, take them through what's called the prisoner's journey. It's a 
book that they've written and a program that they come up with to help the people in prison not only learn these trades and find better ways to handle their situation, but to bring them to Jesus the yeah. way that it should be done, not just by throwing a bag of rice and saying, hey, you can have this if you tell me right now you believe in Jesus. Like, they walk with them through them. Yeah. That's what the church needs to be. Right, right. It's that. And I would like to, for a moment, uh, shout out my my in-laws and their church because this has been one of the shining lights as an example close to me of doing that right. They they have spent years, 10, yeah, 10 building plus relationships, years. going back and forth, right. helping people in Burundi, Africa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they 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 give people resources. They help give them education. They give them things like goats and and seed and all these different things that they actually need physically. And they teach the gospel and they have churches there, and that's great. But it's not a prerequisite to right. receiving help, and that's the same thing with PFI. Like, yeah, I, I try to find organizations that, yes, they preach the gospel, but it's not a prerequisite to get the help that we're offering as well. Exactly, it's yeah. like, hey, we're here to help. And have you heard about Jesus? Yeah. Not, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Yes. You don't need our help then. Yeah, yeah. That's the difference. So last thing, what do Christians need to be doing? Summarize it like this. Listening more and reading more. It's as simple as that, guys. I mean, we could go over and over on these different things, but fundamentally, it's those two things. And not just the Christians that disagree with us. Us, too. Yeah, absolutely. 1,000%. Like I said, we're not experts on all of these topics. We can be learning a lot more. We can be reading more, we can be listening more, we can hear the stories of people that don't live our same experiences, because the only way you're ever going to understand those experiences, if you don't live them yourself, is to hear someone else who has. Yeah. Amen. Let's go into our final thoughts. My final thoughts? The whole shebang. Look, guys, um, obviously this has all been a lot. We've done a few episodes, they've been hour plus each. We've talked a lot about it, a lot of different topics. My therapist has a lot of work to do uh, because <laughs> as we've been doing this deconstruction series to share where we are, I've been realizing a lot of things about myself, um, and I'm still on this journey. I will be forever. Yeah. Um, but again, the point is not to destroy Christianity. It's to return the church to the definition of Christianity that it claims to follow but actively avoids. Good, yeah. You can't say... We want to follow Jesus and do the things that the Christian church has been doing. Right. Yeah. You can't say, oh, you know, Jesus is our guiding light and then vote for a man who rapes people. Yeah. Sexually assaults young women. People who will. The one thing that really bothers me about the church lately was when Trump was talking about building a wall and everybody was saying, oh, even heaven has walls. That's not the point of the gospel. Yeah. And if you take 10 seconds to critically think about anything in the Bible, you'll realize that. Yeah. I've said all I have to say. Well, I'd like to just share a couple of quotes from uh, that book I mentioned earlier, The Universal Christ by Richard Rohr. Um, the first one is, What love tells us about God love, which might be called the attraction of all things toward all things, is a universal language and underlying energy that keeps showing itself despite our best efforts to resist it. 
It is so simple that it is hard to teach in words, yet we all know it when we see it. After all, there is not a native Hindu, Buddhist, Jewish, Islamic, or Christian way of loving. There is not a Methodist, Lutheran, or Orthodox way of running a soup kitchen. There is not a gay or straight way of being faithful, nor a black or Caucasian way of hoping. We all know positive flow when we see it, and we all know resistance and coldness when we feel it. All the rest are mere labels. End quote. And then one more. There's no such thing as a non-political Christianity. Mm. To refuse to re- to refuse to re- to refuse to critique the system or the status quo is to fully support it, which is a political act well disguised. Like Pilate, many Christians choose to wash their hands in front of the crowd and declare themselves innocent, saying with him, "It is your concern." Pilate maintains his purity, and Jesus pays the price. Going somewhere good means having to go through and with the bad. And being unable to hold themselves above it or apart from it, there is no pedestal of perfect purity to stand on, and striving for it is an ego game anyway. End quote. To yeah. me, all this stuff matters. Yeah. You know, and I will publicly say things from time to time, and now I'm now that I'm not hidden from fear and whatever, uh, I'm proud to stand and to stand up for those that are marginalized, those that haven't had a voice or people who who are been who have been hurting because of the systems in place. Welcome to the fight. <laughs> so today in this series we're gonna end it with our last segment. There is always more than this. At the inception of this podcast, Chris and I knew that we wanted to cover the topic of deconstruction. In fact, you might even say this podcast was partially formed as a result of our deconstruction. Arriving to this series, we knew we wouldn't be able to cover all of the talking points, all the arguments, or all the conversations we felt were needed to feel, quote, complete. But that is, what we would argue, is the whole purpose of deconstruction. There is no finish line. No banners, no party, no end game, no checkered flag to symbolize the completion of your trek. The catharsis may not come from reaching a new set of values, a new faith, or new facts to live by, but maybe it comes with approaching a point of uncertainty and being at peace with it. Perhaps it comes with finding real harmony within yourself and who you are, and not with the outward expectations placed on you. And hopefully, it brings you to a conclusion of loving and respecting your neighbors despite the differences between us all. So, we thank you all for joining us and allowing us to share our stories and our current landings on some of these topics. And while we may cover more of these subjects in the future, what we can state today is that in regards to better understanding your body, your community, your beliefs, your neighbors, and your faith, there is always more than this. There we go. Guys, it's, it's been a journey. It's been a fun ride. It has been. So, thank you for joining us. Um... As always, we would love to hear from you guys. Send us your emails, comments, questions, concerns. Comment your love, comment your hate, comment your own stories. (laughs) We want to hear from you guys. We want you to interact because this is a conversation. There's always more room for deeper conversations. Yeah. We want to hear from you guys, so please do that. Um, I think next time we're going to be going back to our every other week. Yeah, correct. Uh, So we'll be back in about two weeks. I think we'll probably do a lot lighter of a topic next time yeah Um, for sure (laughs) but stick around we'd love to have you for the ride yeah alright guys we love you and we will see you again next time peace
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Deconstruction Series on the Always More Podcast. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, comment, and share this wherever you listen to us. Be sure to check out our resources and recommendations in the show notes for both this episode and episodes to come. And lastly, don't forget to listen in to our Deconstruction playlist on Spotify that can also be found in our show notes. Thank you, and see you next time.